0: This is our Lessons from the King series that we've been in for several weeks now, and tonight will be the, the end of this series. And next Thursday night, we will be having service. For those of you who will not be at General Conference, we will still have service, but General Conference will be going on next Tuesday through Friday, and uh, so some will be there. But there will be service here, and uh, we encourage you, if you can make a night, if you've got a night and you can make a night, uh, then it would be awesome. You would probably really enjoy General Conference, Um, and I know that there are a lot of great things that are going to happen next week, so just be praying that God would move in a special way. That's in Indianapolis. For those of you who are wondering, it's only a couple, two and a half, three hours away, just depending on how fast you drive. But if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Proverbs chapter 4. And let's read verses 1 through 7, and we are going to be kind of going through this tonight uh, talking about wisdom for the family, wisdom for the family. So if, if you are in a family, if you have a family, if you might someday have a family, then it's all good wisdom for you. So let's look at this uh, from the book of Proverbs chapter 4 beginning at verse 1, hear ye children, The instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding, for I give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Amen. If I uh, could just title this whole series, if I was to re-package uh, it, it would be Got Wisdom, because that's kind of like the whole, we've been talking about that like every week, is wisdom. So, uh, in Proverbs we see a lot of pleas for Different people, different uh, categories of people, I guess you could say, to get get wisdom and to make sure that there is a clear understanding and that they would move in this wisdom. And so tonight we're going to be talking in in Proverbs 4, really talks about the family. British anthropologist John Unwin uh, conducted an in-depth study of 80 civilizations that have come and gone over the last 4,000 years, and he discovered that a common thread ran through all of them. In each instance, they started with a strong moral values, and they had a heavy emphasis on the family. Over a period of time, these values declined, and the family began to fracture. As the home hemorrhaged, all 80 nations imploded and eventually collapsed. And um, that is pretty telling of where we are in our culture today. We, have a, we had a strong culture, very strong culture that was built on strong family morals, strong family values, and uh, now you see there's an all-out attack on the family. Um, somebody said the other day, they said, my dog had puppies. And Somebody else said to him, oh, that's so sweet. And uh, they said, well, what kind were they? And they said, well, there were, there were three uh, male and there were two female. And I, I know, I was like, I was thinking, that is, that's precious. And then, uh, I don't know what came over me, but, but I almost wanted to chime into the conversation and say, now what gives you the right, <laughs> just to be devil's advocate, what gives you the right to assign, you know, genders to those puppies? How offensive. I'm offended, you know. I, I I wanted to do that, but I didn't because... <sighs> but, I mean, how ridiculous, right? Would you guys have thought that I was crazy if I did that? Like, seriously, you would have looked at me and been like, what is wrong with you? Because uh, the, the society that we live in attacks everything about the family. And we have to... Uh, We have to realize that there is a real need for wisdom in the family today. Amen? The Bible teaches that God established just three human institutions. Okay? The first one is the family, Genesis 2 18 to 25. The second one is human government, Romans 13 and 1. And the third is the local church in Acts chapter 2. Those are the three human institutions that God put in place. According to uh, Warren Wearsby, of the three, the most important is the home. Because, you know, and, and you'll see this to be true as goes the home, so go the church and the nation. And he said that in Be Skillful, uh, his book, Be Skillful. And I, I think this is true. You've heard me say many times uh, if we have strong families, we'll have a strong church. And, and so we try to do everything we can to undergird the family, to support the family. Uh, Sometimes when families need help, we try to be there for them. Sometimes when families are making bad decisions, somebody here will step in and say, Hey, you know, maybe you need to think about that, right? And the reason for that is because we want to have strong families in this church. The book of Proverbs is both a marriage manual and a parenting primer. It's both a marriage manual and a parenting primer. No one has ever gotten married or had children who were expert spouses, or parents. Successful marriages are built over a lifetime. Successful parenting continues long after the kids are grown and leave home. How many of you stopped parenting when your kids, when your kids left home? I know my parents didn't. Y'all know my parents didn't. I'm going to keep moving. Uh, if you are like any other normal spouse or parent, you too need all the help you can get. Anybody ever remember the day when it dawned on you, you didn't know everything? Do you remember that day? It was like, some of you, you're not there yet. Okay, I get it. (laughs) But most of us, there was a day, my uncle says it like this, he says, when you're 12, somewhere around 12, you lose your marbles. And if if you're a girl, you might get them back around 16, 17, 18. If you're a boy, probably not till 19, 20 or later that's what he says but most of us can remember the day that we realized i don't have this whole thing figured out and we realized we needed something we needed some advice we needed some wisdom so what did you do most of you if your parents were around you probably the first call that you made was mom what do i do or Dad, what is, you know, I don't know how to handle this. What do I do? If they weren't around, then somebody who was like a mom or a dad in your life, you called them and said, hey, I'm stuck. What do I do? Our primary source of instruction and guidance in any relationship, though, even above mom and dad, ought to be the word of God. Our primary source of instruction and guidance should be the word of God. So it doesn't matter what mom or dad say, if it doesn't, line up with what the Word of God says, then guess what? Stick with the Word of God. Amen? Proverbs is rich in providing both instruction and guidance. And uh, obviously, the lesson that sometimes may be difficult for us, uh, maybe you've been hurt by somebody, maybe you've been hurt by a spouse. Uh, There's some that are divorced, widowed. Uh, Maybe some that have even never been married. Uh, Maybe your kids have gone astray. Maybe you have prodigal children. Uh, maybe your parents did some pretty bad things to you or they were a bad example in some, some ways to you. And you say, well, you know, it's, it's, if I just had a better upbringing or if I just had a better spouse or if I just had a And you, you, could, you could use all these reasons why you are the way you are. Or you could say, you know what, I had all this stuff, but I have the Word of God now. And I know how to parent and I know how to be a good spouse because the Word of God shows this to me. And I, I can get wisdom From the word of God. God understands and he does not use his word to condemn or destroy you. But he uses the word to teach us so that if we're currently married, we will treasure our spouses more. You know, I have seen numerous people, their marriage was on the rocks. They came to God. They started applying biblical principles to their marriage and voila. It's amazing. It's amazing when you treat your spouse the way God says you should treat your spouse. Your spouse treats you the way that you were one to be treated. It's amazing. And, you know, grandparents and parents, they take it up a notch whenever they start applying these biblical principles of parenting to their children. And their children then realize, hey, it's good to have authority over me. That's something that we've lost in our society. We we think it's a bad thing to have authority over us. And, you know, how dare they tell me what to do? Well, bless God, they they have authority. Their authority is not from them. Their authority comes from God. And so we need to uh, realize that there's wisdom for the family. There's wisdom for parents, for spouses, for children, for grandparents. We're all wrapped up in this this section. So wisdom for husbands. Let's talk about wisdom for husbands. Scripture tells us to rejoice in our wives. Rejoice. Rejoice. Proverbs 5.18, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. How often have you heard the phrase, we'll just just live on love? It's usually newlywed couples who may, you know, my wife and I, we love hanging around newlywed couples, uh, especially ones who have just gotten married in like the last six months because they're finishing each other's sentences and it's so sweet, you know, and they, they just, they honestly believe everything is going to always stay in that blissful state that they're in, and we just smile, you know, and like if they start to argue, then they stop them, and oh, well, it's really, the, it's not that important, and we're just like, yeah, it is, <laughs> but you'll find that out later, and we laugh a lot. We have a good time, but you know, the truth is, uh the honeymoon, when the honeymoon is over, and sometimes the honeymoon is over at the end of the honeymoon week or two weeks or whatever, but at some point when the honeymoon is over, then the drudgery sets in, the spark is extinguished, uh, The the, you know, blissful frolicking in the fields and, you know, everything is great and we just, you know, we just love each other so much and I just... Life, you know, and oh, with Facebook, it's gotten even worse. And it's like, I just want to just mute all those people for like two years. And then, okay, all right, now reality's set in, we'll just let it. What the writer is saying is rejoice in the woman you married as a young man. If a man is going to be the husband that he needs to be, then he must work hard at keeping the fire burning. It's his responsibility to keep joy in the relationship with his wife. Let me ask you guys, men, when was the last time you truly thanked God for your wife? Ooh, it got really quiet. (laughs) That was a little scary. Well, all she ever does is... When was the last time you truly thanked God for your wife? It's a simple question. The scripture says that you should rejoice in her, that you should be thankful for her, that you should find joy in her. Having a wife was never intended to be a burden or a drag, but instead, having a wife should bring you great joy. Proverbs eighteen twenty two: Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. You find a wife, you find a good thing. Now, For those of you who are thinking maybe at some point in the future I might find a wife, make sure you find a good wife. Because not all finding of wives is a good wife. You know, sometimes you can find somebody and think they're the one and they're not the one. And they can end up being a bad wife. But you can, you can know that before you marry them. And then, they, then you technically aren't finding the wife. You just found somebody who won't be the wife. Anyways, that's a little deep. I'll move on. Look, I'm, trying, I'm, I'm talking to my son. My son, hear my words. I'm talking to him right now. I mean, he's in the, he's in the crowd. I'm talking to him. I don't want you to find the wrong wife. You know, somebody who treats your mom and your family wrong—that's the wrong wife. Somebody who can't get along with your your family, eventually they won't get along with you. All right, I'm moving on. Divine delight is poured out on the husband who recognizes God's goodness in the gift of a wife. Gentlemen, don't ever forget that the woman you married was given to you by God. She belonged to you. But she belonged to him before she ever belonged to you. Before she ever became your bride, before she ever said, I do, she was his child. Proverbs 18 22 Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing, obtaineth the favor of the Lord. Notice it does not tell us that a woman, what a woman finds when she finds a husband. That's probably because sometimes she probably finds a good-for-nothing thing. Well, let's be honest. Let's be honest. There's some guys out there that are so selfish. They can't see past the nose on their face. Well, hmm. It's better for some people to stay single. It really is. And those very selfish people, it'd be better if they just stay single. It really would. So we said rejoice in your wife. The second thing I want you to do is value your wife. This is what the scripture teaches. Value your wife. Is your wife more important than anything else in your life? That's a good question. Is your wife more important than anything else in your life? Some of you are like, yeah, yeah. She really is. Okay, you've answered that question. Does she know it? Now it's really quiet. (laughs) Okay, so here's the thing. We know that these are things that we need to be thinking about. And it can be, you know, a challenge for us. Like most of the days, just a regular day, absolutely. She's the most important thing in my life. I have no problem telling her. But there's certain times, right? There's certain times whenever, you know, maybe your favorite football team is on or it's hunting season or fishing season or NASCAR. I don't know what your season is. I'm just saying. But there there might be a time when she is, you know, she is less likely to feel like you are the most important, she's the most important thing in your life. So, you've got to make sure. You've got to make sure, you know. And I'm not saying you can't have a hobby or you can't uh, do fun stuff, but, you know, there's got to be a lot of time built up there, right? If you ignore, 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 and then when it comes time for something that you're passionate about and then she really wants your attention and you're ignoring her, it's only going to make things worse. So, don't take your wife for granted. Don't take your wife for granted. Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies? They, they did a study one time to try to find out exactly what a woman, a, a housewife was worth. I'm just going to tell you, you couldn't afford to pay her. You really couldn't. And uh, even if she doesn't work outside the home, she does work outside the home, and she still does all that, you really can't afford to pay her. But if she's not working outside the home, even if you think, well, all she has to do is blah blah blah. No, you still couldn't afford to pay her. Anyways, I'm gonna move on. I gotta get through this. So how do you value her? You value her by spending time with her. Spending time with her. My wife, I don't know why, but she loves to spend time with me. It's kind of it's kind of fun. Some days it's a lot of fun, other days we're just stressing, you know, we're just going through the day and we're, we're both stressed out, but there's some days where, you know, that's the best thing to do is just go somewhere, chill out for a little while and spend time with your wife. Now, if you've got little kids, it's hard, but you still got to make time for it. One of the greatest causes for failing marriages is a breakdown in communication. A breakdown in communication. You know, there's a lot of people who they say they love each other, and they'll tell everybody else they love each other. They'll even tell Facebook, but they won't tell each other. you you got to spend time talking to each other. Somebody, Somebody we know not too long ago, they posted on their Facebook. They said they showed two pictures, and it had it Had a picture of a washer and it said the clothes in this washer have only been rinsed; they have not been washed. And so then the next picture uh, had said uh, had had the the note was flipped over and it said washed. So whoever it was, the, the husband wife, one of them had only rinsed the clothes because probably they needed to pre-treat it or something. Wanted to make sure that they didn't just put those right into the dryer. And, so, and you say, well, that's a little thing. It is, and it's not. Have you ever dried not clean clothes, husbands, anybody? It is a big thing. It can be a very big deal. Anyways, I'm going to move on. It's kind of like that special towel in the bathroom you don't use. Communication <laughs> is a really good thing. Those are for looks. Looks. And that special soap is for looks. It's not to be used. When you use it, you set off a chain reaction. And it's it's better if you don't set off the chain reaction. It doesn't take a genius to realize that if you're not spending much time with your spouse, you're not communicating with them. Because a lot of our communication is nonverbal, right? Um, I'm always... Like, I, I, my wife is a kind of introverted person at times, not always, but at times. And sometimes she does not tell me what she is thinking. Is this true? Mike and Donna, is this true? She's, she doesn't always tell me what she's thinking. So I have to read the nonverbal communication. And if I'm not looking, come on now, Mike knows what I'm talking about. And if I'm not looking at her, and if we're not eye-to-eye communicating, then I'm going to miss. Some cues, right? Everything okay? I'm fine. No, 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 wait, let me look at you. Let's go through this one more time. Are you sure everything... Oh, oh, yes, I'm fine. That never means what it's... It's, it's not. If it's, you have to read the nonverbal cues. So communicating is only possible when you're spending time together. Many times, what she needs is not a new dress, a dozen roses, or a trinket. What she needs is your undivided attention. My wife will let me know if she's not getting into She'll be letting me know. Hey, uh, <clears throat> we're not spending enough time together. So I'm thankful for a wife that will at least tell me that. So what do you need to do? You need to learn her love language. <laughs> learn her love language. How many of you can say that you know your wife's love language how many of you knew that you don't even have a wife how many of you even knew she had a just talk to me in a few years how many of you even knew that she had a love language anybody okay most of you did know that uh... okay how many of you know how many love languages there are okay most of you said five um, do you know what that means? Does anybody know what that means, love language? You don't know. have any clue? Oh, good, good. All right. So it's a whole different study. Uh, but if every married person would read the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, you could improve your marriage. The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. I'm not going to try to give you the whole book, but let me just give you a quick little summary. In the book, Gary Chapman says basically all people communicate and receive love through five, one of five love languages. Okay, they communicate and they receive love. So they communicate their love and they receive love back by one of five love languages. And here, here's what they are briefly. The first one is physical touch. The second one is words of affirmation. The third one is quality time. The fourth one is gifts. Gifts. And the fifth one is acts of service. I'll go through them one more time. Physical touch is number one. Words of affirmation are number two. Quality time is number three. Gifts are number four. And acts of service are number five. Now, again, you can agree or disagree with him. I'm not saying that that's uh, 110% dead on. I'm just saying it will give you some food for thought. Okay? It will help you to understand maybe my wife and I speak a different love language. And necessarily, I don't have to worry about... See, because some of us, we try to communicate love. And we communicate love in the way that we communicate love, and we want them to communicate love in the way that we want our love communicated, but they don't just naturally communicate love in that way. They communicate love in their own way. And so we have to learn how each other communicates love, and how we receive love. I need to know what best my wife loves and what she doesn't like, right? And that's a lifetime of learning. I'm not saying that negative towards her. For all of us, that's a lifetime of learning. we got people in here who been married 30 years. And you're still learning. So you've been married longer than that. You're still learning. It's a lifetime of learning. By the way, one of the most important things you can do for your children men is love their mother love their mother my kids they they have no doubt you know it's hard to be in our house and and not see that there's some love there now do we argue every once in a while yes we do argue we've we've only been at this 22 years we don't have it all figured out but for the most part You know, some people are like, uh, you know, I never saw my parents hug each other or kiss each other. Oh, my my kids have seen that. Sometimes they're like, ooh, guys, come on. (laughs) They need to know that we love each other. It's a healthy thing. All right? All right, so pursue purity and faithfulness. Pursue purity and faithfulness. The book of Proverbs provides some pretty graphic warnings against adultery. Proverbs five twenty two: The evil deeds of a wicked wicked man ensnare him; the cords of his sin hold him fast. Every marriage has its good and bad days. You're not always, you know. If you think every day is going to be like that first day, it's not. It's just not. I I know my wife loves me, but there are some days she's not in love with me. You know it's it's okay she made a commitment she loves me i made a commitment i love her many times we fall back in love or whatever you want to call it <laughs> you know that that goofy feeling right that fuzzy feel good feeling but that's not that's not marriage and and anybody who tells you that it is and that's what it should be man they never married somebody who snores i'm just saying I'm just saying, my wife has to love me. You can't put up with that if you don't love somebody. Anyways, I'm going to keep moving. The challenge, though, is for us to not let the bad days cause us to stray. If you're starting to stray from your marriage, don't be fooled by the allure of someone else. You know, every once in a while, I see marriages start getting in trouble because somebody, they're, they're going through a rough patch and then somebody else comes in and shows a lot of attention and that person seems to be like so wonderful and no, it's not good. Before long, you, you find out, oh, well we just don't love each other anymore and then the marriage is over. One of the best ways to maintain your faithfulness is to be captivated by your wife's beauty as you rejoice in her and her value and you value her for who God has made her to be. All right, guys, you need to make your wife feel secure. Make her feel secure. Your wife needs to feel secure in her marriage relationship. A husband, a wife's husband, a wise husband will build his mate's self-esteem realizing that the subtle words and actions of a sinful world constantly assault her, her sense of self-worth. I mean, you don't have to go far to see the assault on women today. And when you rejoice in her, value her more than anything else, and you remain faithful by practicing purity, you will give her the gift of security. I know that sound. It seems really simple, doesn't it? But you don't want your wife ever wondering or ever worrying. And so, does anybody... Did I go too fast on those? Okay, let me go over it one more time. I can see you're all scribbling. I see smoke coming off of the pens right now. All right. Make, make her feel secure. Your wife needs to feel secure in her marriage relationship. A wise husband builds his mate's self-esteem. Realizing That the subtle words and actions of a sinful world constantly assault her sense of self worth. Everybody get that? All right, a wise husband builds his mate's self esteem, realizing that the subtle words and actions of a sinful world constantly assault her sense of self worth. All right, when you rejoice in her, Value her more than anything else and remain faithful by practicing purity. You will give her the gift of security. Better, right? Good. Some of you don't take notes. Some of you won't remember it anyways. But there it is. Now you have it. I challenge you, go back and a month and see how you're doing. All right. We, we covered wisdom for husbands. Whew. Let's cover wisdom for wives and see if I can do this without getting in too much trouble. Okay. Focus on faithfulness. Focus on faithfulness. Wives as well as husbands are to work at maintaining Faithfulness, Proverbs 2, 17 and 18 describes the woman who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirit of the dead. God's plan is for monogamous marathon marriages that last a lifetime. Monogamous marathon marriages. It's not in the sprint. It's a distance run. Amen? Some of you are like, that doesn't give me any hope. Yeah, it should. It should. <laughs> Someone once related this story. On her golden wedding anniversary, my grandmother revealed the secret of her long and happy marriage. On my wedding day, she said, I decided to choose ten of my husband's faults, which for the sake of our marriage, I would overlook. She explained... And a guest asked her to name, she said, can you name some of the faults? To tell the truth, she replied, I never did get around to listing them, but whenever my husband did something that made me hopping mad, I would say to myself, lucky for him, that's one of the ten. Thank you for having 20, honey. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right, so focus on faithfulness. Cultivate your character. Cultivate your character. Proverbs twelve four, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. One of the best things you can do for your marriage is to cultivate your character by giving attention to your spiritual development. If you have a wife that cultivates her character and is growing spiritually, That is a great blessing. If you have a wife that doesn't care about her spiritual growth and she doesn't mind that people think she's, you know, whatever, then you're in trouble. You're going to be ashamed. It's going to be bad for you. So you certainly don't want to drive your husband away by constant quarreling and nagging. You definitely don't want to drive him away by constant quarreling or even nagging. You might be right. You might be smarter than him. You may have it figured out, but it's not going to make it any better if you tell him. I told you I got to get through this. See if I can get through this unscathed. Proverbs twenty-one nine, in the message translation, it paints a very vivid picture. It says, better to live alone in a tumble-down shack than to share a mansion with a nagging spouse. As you focus on your heart relationship with God, you will become the woman that God wants you to be. And in the process, you will become a joy to your husband. I'm, do I need to go on there? I stay on that a little while. <laughs> it's going it's to get interesting in a minute. Um, there, are, there are better ways at achieving the same objective. Um, you need to just find out what your husband's love language is and start speaking it. I'm just, gonna, I'm just giving you that free bit of advice. Rather than going on and on and on and, and, and explaining why, you know, you, you can't understand or how disappointed you are, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It would be better if you would figure out what speaks to him and use that and communicate through that than to continue your constant talking because it's not getting anywhere. Whew. Man, it's quiet. Whew. I'm just trying to get through this. Okay, bring good to your husband. Bring good to your husband. Bring good. Proverbs thirty-one ten through thirty-one gives us an excellent illustration on how to reinforce your husband's significance. Um, there is another book I, I didn't put it in here. It's not in here, but I would tell you that it it's pretty, pretty dead on uh, on a lot of areas. It's called Love and Respect love and respect. That's the name of the book. Uh, it talks about how a greatest, the greatest need of women is to be loved and to feel loved and cherished. The greatest need for men is to be respected and honored. And you could say, oh, well, I don't know if that's true for me. Just read the book, you'll see. And it's, it's in, in people that, that don't figure that out, they're on a crazy cycle they're just on a crazy side, and it just it just doesn't seem to get better. But this is what Proverbs 31, 10 to 31 uh, says. This is how you can reinforce your husband's significance. She brings him good and not evil. She brings him good and not evil. You, When you get married, you become a team. You're working together. So... When all you ever bring to the team is negative, that's not good. But if you do stuff that enhances the team, enhances the family, enhances the the situation, and you are bringing good into the situation, even when it's not a good situation, you know, well, if he could afford, if we could afford a better place, if we could afford this, or just don't start there. Make what you have the best it can be. You know, growing up, I watched my parents, we lived in some places that were interesting, to say the least. I didn't know it until I was grown. I look back now, I'm like, whoo, we was Pope. <laughs> I mean, we we were, we were. And 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 I didn't even know it at the time. I had no idea. Because they worked at making it the best it could be. They brought good to each other, and I know my wife's family did the same thing. And we, you know, we've talked several times of how it's kind of cool that God brought us together because we both understand what it's like, you know, when when you know Mike has to get a job for Roto Rooter because they got to pay the bills. That's not a job that anybody goes looking for. You know, it's like, hey, sign me up. No, but you do what you have to do. And you make the best of a bad situation. So bring him good and not evil. Uh, B is she is industrious. She's industrious. That doesn't mean Pinterest, ladies. Don't be. That was not my endorsement for Pinterest. My goodness. If you. Go look up Pinterest fails. That's all I'm going to say. That, that is not all industrious you can be industrious without Pinterest many women were for centuries before you she takes care of the home we showed our house last night my wife, she was she had that place, Spick and Span I mean, I wanted to buy it <laughs> I was like, whose house is this? This is fantastic. I'm just sorry. That was wrong. She is she is conscientious financially. She is conscientious financially. <laughs> um it's good when the the husband is a saver and he's conscious uh, conscientious financially it's even better when the wife is she takes care of her health so <laughs> go on <laughs> dr google web md she is compassionate She is dignified. You ever seen an undignified woman? Ugh. Ugh. It's just nasty. She guards her tongue. She guards her tongue, and she isn't lazy. She guards her tongue, and she isn't lazy. I said it before, but let me move into this next part. Everybody good? Can we move on? i got to keep moving, guys. Uh, Learn his love language. Men need to be loved and respected as much as women do. They also want to feel as if you understand them. If you expect him to know and speak your language, then learn his language. Again, to keep you out of that crazy cycle. All right. Encourage him. Encourage him. Do you think the best of your man by encouraging him and building him up? Or are you more like the woman of Proverbs 27, 15? A continual or constant dripping on a rainy day and a cranky woman are much alike. Hey, look, don't get mad at me. That's Bible, y'all. I did not write that. I've known a few. I'll just say that. I've known a few. And uh, it is no fun. All right. Men need to know that they have worth in your eyes. If they feel like a failure, if they feel like nothing to you, um, they're going to have a hard time loving like you want them to love you. They find a major part of their value in your acceptance of who they are and what they do. When was the last time you told your husband you were proud of him? When was the last time you told him he was so you're so smart and you really meant it? Why are y'all laughing? Oh, I told him. I told him. Learn to appreciate his uniqueness. Your husband is unique. I mean, like, yes, there is no denying that. Appreciate his uniqueness. Some are more unique than others. Encouragement and affirmation to him is just as important as security is to you. Encouragement and affirmation to him is just as important as security is to you. The speaker at a, a woman's club was lecturing on marriage and asked the audience, How many of you, how, how many of us, uh, how many of you want, want to mother your husbands? One of the members in the back row raised her hand and uh, the speaker said, You, you want to mother your husband? And mother, the woman echoed, I thought you said smother. three in the morning, and he's snoring, you know. That's where they said, have you, they, they asked the couple, you know, said, have you ever, did you ever think about divorce? And they've been married for like 60 years, said, do you ever think about divorce? And the wife said, no, but I thought about murder a lot of times. <laughs> All right, wisdom for grandparents. We can move off the wives. It's a good thing these lights aren't hot. All right, wisdom for grandparents. Have you ever seen the bumper sticker that says, if I had known known how wonderful grandchildren can be, I would have had them before I had kids? I'm telling you. Grandkids get away with so much more than kids do. But the impact of grandmas and grandpas in history is beyond calculation. Every person in the bloodline from Adam to Christ was a grandparent, and many of them made a lasting difference. Hezekiah was one of the best kings God's people ever had, but his father, Ahaz, was very wicked. Fortunately, he had a grandpa named Jotham who walked with the Lord. Hezekiah took after his grandfather rather than his father with wonderful results, both personally and for the kingdom that he ruled. Maybe the dad was not good, but grandfather stepped in and said, hey, I can make a difference. Proverbs 17, 6, children's children are the crown of old men and the glory of children are their fathers. Your children may have kept you poor. Amen. But their children will make you rich. All the grandparents, "Ah." (laughs) you have a wonderful opportunity to make a difference in the lives of the next generation. Live your life now in order to leave a legacy of love and faithfulness that will continue long after you die. How do you want your children and your grandchildren? To remember you, to remember your marriage, to remember your walk with God. Leave a legacy now. Well, I don't think it's all that important. You're fooling yourself. They're watching you. You are their hero. I mean, they are your hero. You are their hero. I said it right the first time. (laughs) And they are your hero sometimes, yes. But they're watching you. If you get an attitude with each other, or you guys can't foster friendliness and relationship in your family, then then what are they going to, how are they going to benefit? Right? If they see your walk with God as superficial, they might think, eh, I don't know. I mean, the church we go to, they talk about prayer all the time, but yeah, my grandpa never prays, my grandma never prays. They, they talk about having respect for authority, but when we leave the church, man, they're talking about pastor like he's the worst person. You're hurting yourself. I'm not talking about examples here in the church. I'm, I'm, maybe there are. I don't know. I'm just saying from personal experience, my life, I've seen this. I've seen grandparents who could have made an incredible difference in their kids' lives, but instead they chose to live a, a half-hearted life for God. And because of that, their their grandchildren and their children suffer. So, This was said of a well-respected man when he died. He was the type of man that little boys dream about being and the kind of man old men wish they would have been. Think about it. He was the type of man that little boys dream about being and the kind of man old men wish they would have been. Grandparents can make a very powerful impact. Can make a very powerful impact. You say, well, you know, I, I realize that I've made some mistakes in parenting. You know what? It's good that you realize that. But don't beat yourself up because everybody makes mistakes. What you need to do now is do the very best you can. Pray for your grandchildren and do the the best that you can to make an impact in their generation. If one generation goes astray, the next generation can be brought back through the influence of the grandparent. We have biblical example. You say, but I'm not that important. You are that important. You might think their parents have more uh, sway, and they do, but you don't, don't ever forget that you have an importance in their life. Some of you are bridging the gap between parents and children, and God is using you mightily. You're bridging that gap. It's going to happen. It's not happened yet. Things are still a little chaotic. It's still a little crazy, but God is going to help you. You may have an opportunity for a short period of time while they're young, or God may give you a window of ministry during their teenage years. You are grand in their eyes, so keep it up. Keep it up. They're watching you. A recent study shows that the bond between grandparents and grandchildren is the second in emotional power and influence only to the relationship between the parents and the children. Unfortunately, of the children studied, only 5% reported a close regular contact with at least one grandparent. The vast majority see their grandparents only infrequently, not because they live too far away, but because the grandparents have chosen to remain emotionally distant. Dale Evans has written a lot about her 16 grandchildren, and her advice is, if you want to establish a warm bond with your grandchildren, get rid of the parents. what my parents do. They come pick up my kids for lunch and take them to Kansai for their birthday. They don't, offer, they don't ever offer to take me to Kansai. In fact, if we go to Kansai now, they're looking at me to pay the bill. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. Just look for ways to be alone that's what she's saying look for ways to be alone with your grandchildren people used to think it was crazy because my parents want to spend time with their grandkids and they will go and do things with their grandkids uh my my kids used to go and spend time at the bond's house they they'd go friday and they'd come back on sunday you know they were we'd call them you know saturday cuz we're missing the kids And you hear, like, World War III is going on in the background. (laughs) I mean, you hear our kids yelling at each other and, you know, just being hateful and all kinds of crazy. we're like, hey, is everything okay? Oh, they're angels. (laughs) No, they're not. (laughs) I hear those little devils in the background. (laughs) The kids... Of your kids are not only heirs to your possessions, this is important, they will inherit your values, your character, and in many cases, even your faith. So spend time with them. All right, grandparents, I'm going to leave you alone as we move to the end here. Wisdom for parents. Proverbs gives several admonitions for parents. But we're going to focus on just three, okay? First of all is revere God. Parents, you need to revere God. Fearing God is not only the way to wisdom. It is the prerequisite for parenting. If you don't fear God, if you're not afraid, uh, and you don't have any reverence or respect for God or for the things of God or the ways of God, I can tell you your, your, your kids are going to be messed up. Period. Period. of the time. Proverbs 14.26 He who fears the Lord has a secure fortress and for his children it will be a refuge. When God is number one priority in our families we will be blessed and our kids will find parenting a place of safety. That makes sense, doesn't it, right? When you're walking with God you're able to spiritually shepherd your, your sons and your daughters They'll sense then that the home is a safe place where they can always find refuge even in the battles of life. Mothers who revere God are praised by both their husbands and their kids in Proverbs 31:28. Her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also and he praises her. Abraham Lincoln once said, "No one is poor who has a godly mother." The wise woman recognizes that her outward beauty will pass away, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31, 30. We have to fear the Lord. We have to make His principles our principles in parenting. Because if we don't, we're, we're destined for some failure. Our children will, will miss out on those godly ways. Number two here is provide instruction. Revere God, provide instruction. One of the most significant parenting jobs we have is to teach and train our kids if you don't teach them and train them school will the kids at school will Hollywood will Disney will YouTube will teaching and training will happen they will learn but is it going to be from you or is it going to be from another source We've had talks with our children, and and we said, I know this is a complicated subject. This is kind of a difficult subject for us to talk about, but I'd rather you hear it from me. I'd rather you get it from us. I'd rather we discuss it than that you hear it from some other place. Provide instruction. Proverbs 1.8, pay close attention, friend, to what your father tells you. Never forget what you learned at your mother's knee. Perhaps the best-known proverb on parenting is found in Proverbs 22.6, which my mother quoted to me just about every day of my childhood. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, she would say as she was spanking me. (laughs) I'm just doing what the Bible says. (laughs) It's true. It's funny, but it's true. Um... You say, well, that's, that's horrible. No, it really isn't horrible. Because had she not trained me, I wouldn't have known. And some of my friends that didn't get trained, the way I got trained, they didn't make it. Not only did they not make it in serving God, they didn't make it in life. So do I regret getting any spankings? No. No. I needed more. I needed more. I don't often admit that, mother. Can I get you to sign that? It is. It is. It's, it's on record. Oh, my goodness. No, I, I, I can tell you that when you train up a child in the way he should go, that's the scripture, right? Our words have tremendous impact. Our actions have tremendous impact. Um, and so, especially for the people in our family. You know, we 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 see Proverbs 16:21 says pleasant words promote instruction. If we want our children to learn, we must use words of life with them. I don't always, I mean, there are days where it seems like all I do is yell at my kids. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All I do is yell at my kids. And then there are other days where I actually do better and I'm like, okay, this is why we're going to do this and this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it this way because and I'm and I'm doing more teaching and training. I like those days better than the days that all I do is why can't you do this like I told you, you know? Train up a child in the way he should go. That does not mean that there is a guarantee that they will live for God. That doesn't mean that there's a guarantee that they will always do the right thing they will never make a mistake that's not what that guar- that's not a guarantee for that but it is a promise that those who train up their children you have a much better success rate if you are training them up in the ways of God one day a teacher asked her class if they wanted what they wanted to be when they grew up the you know several of them throughout the room were naming off things president fireman teacher one by one they all gave their answer until it was billy's turn and the teacher uh, asked Billy, said, Billy, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Billy said, Possible. <laughs> possible? asked the teacher. Billy replied, Yeah, that's what I want to be. My mom always tells me that I'm impossible. So when I grow up, I want to become possible. <laughs> All right, last, last one for parents. Deliver discipline. Deliver discipline. Chuck Swindoll refers to children as having the bents, the bents, B-E-N-T-S, the bents. What he means is that our kids are really children of Adam and Eve, and as such, have a bent towards self-will and sin, just like we do. We're kind of bent that direction. God has positioned parents strategically in order to provide discipline and correction for them. Do you know if you don't correct them? The scripture says, you hate them. You feel really loved, don't you, Ashton? <laughs> Proverbs twenty nine fifteen: the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. And that's why she would give me that scripture, too. The rod of correction, son, will drive it far away. Actually, to be honest, my dad spanked me much more than my mother. You know, it's, it's the truth. And his spankings hurt. <laughs> but the rod of correction will drive it far away. Leonardo da Vinci once put it this way, he who does not punish evil commands it to be done. Proverbs 22, 15, a youngster's heart is filled with rebellion, but punishment will drive it out of him. You got a youngster? Guess what's in their heart? Rebellion. Guess what you're there for? Discipline. When we correct our children, it's important to do it out of Love, don't do it out of meanness, don't do it out of hate, don't do it out of anger, although sometimes you will be angry, and then you got one of those kids that gets you laughing, you trying to spank them, you're trying to punish them and they get you laughing, anybody know what I'm talking about? And as I told one of my children, oh, I can laugh and spank you at the same time because I ain't even mad. This is just what I got to do. They probably thought I was psycho. (laughs) It's a biblical command. I got to do it. All right. Proverbs 3.12. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. If you delight in your kids, you will discipline them. The corrections of discipline are the way to life. They are the way to life. If we don't discipline, uh, we don't discipline for our sake, some of you are like, I just can't take anymore. That's not the reason discipline. You need to discipline because it's for the well-being of your children. If we want them to live life to its fullest, then we must do our job correcting them when they need it. And we, can I just throw something in there? Because it's not in your lesson, but let let me throw something in there and be consistent. If something's wrong at 2 o'clock on Monday, it should also be wrong at 7 o'clock on Wednesday and at 3 o'clock on Thursday and 5 o'clock on Friday. It's not okay one day, and then the next day, why are you still doing this? No, it was okay yesterday, so you communicated that it was okay, and now you're going ballistic on them. Be consistent. There are certain things in our house that are, we just didn't tolerate. We just, wouldn't, we just wouldn't put up with them. Rebellion was one. Talking back, lying, those things we just never put up with. You know, don't talk about like Kathy will pull out the Bible and make you quote scripture. You, you will have to read those scriptures. All liars have their part in the lake of fire. Serious parenting. Extreme parenting. All right. In other words, you're really doing your kids a favor when you discipline them. We don't think about it like that, but we're doing our kids a favor when we discipline them. Someone said, the parent who's afraid to put his foot down will have children who step on their toes. Don't be afraid to put your foot down. Sometimes you have to. Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. I love how the Living Bible translates Proverbs 19, 18, discipline your son in his early years while there is hope. (laughs) If you don't, you will ruin his life. I've told a few people that recently. I said, look, you're in critical years. Please don't mess around now please don't put church and God and your relationship with God and discipline don't put all those things on the back burner now because by the time they get to your their teenagers it's too late. If you let them talk back and lie and do whatever they want to now you' you're going you're going be in for some trouble in a few years all right that was i I'm, I'm trying guys I'm really trying um, <clears throat> let's look at I got a few more fill in the blanks for you, right? When we instruct and discipline our children, it's important that we provide a good example for them. Don't be like the person that lady that I told you about uh, not too long ago. She's in the parking lot there, walking to the car, and she with cigarette in her hand, Ugh, now don't you ever smoke <laughs> seriously? You know, that's you're teaching them by example. That's why revering God is so critical. I can tell but never teach until I practice what I preach. I can tell but never teach until I practice what I preach. All right. Parents, you are now off the hot seat. Children. Everybody's saved the best for last. Proverbs also provides some helpful principles for Children and teenagers, I'm so glad mine are in here tonight. Grow in wisdom. Get wisdom, that's what the scripture says. Grow in wisdom. Much of the book of Proverbs is arranged as words of wisdom from a father to his growing son. Proverbs 2 challenges children to accept wisdom and apply understanding. Don't just have head knowledge, but know how it applies to life. You know, a lot of the conversations me and my children have and my wife and our children have, it's talking about how what they know applies to life. How what we do and why we do it the way that we do it, that why that's a good way for living. That's how our family chooses to do things because it's a biblical principle. All right? So uh, children are not only to strive to get good grades in the classroom, but to do well in the school of wisdom. You can have good grades and, and have, the, have a bad attitude and not have very much wisdom. Proverbs 10.1, a wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. Man, I was a heaviness of my mother many days. Choose friends wisely. We talked about this a little while ago, but let me say it again. Choose friends wisely. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Some of the young people, some young people struggle spiritually because of the friends they hang out with. Not because they have bad parents, they're just hanging out with the wrong people. If your friends, if your kids don't have good friends, you need to step in and help with that. Make opportunity. Oh God, help me. I'm going to say some stuff that's going to make somebody mad. That's okay. I am sick and tired of hearing parents. Well, you know, uh, my kids they just don't they don't feel accepted, they don't feel loved, you know they they just they don't have any friends, and these same people will not bring them to anything that's going on at the church. They barely make it on Sunday. I mean, and many times they make it once a month or twice a month, and these same people will be like, well, you know my kids just they don't feel like they fit in or they why because they're never here. It's not because anybody here's making them feel bad, and there's so many times where you know uh, some people they 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 get this thinking they get this thought in their head that uh it, it's really a bad thing it's not a bad thing if your kids don't have good friends in their life, make opportunities for them to get good friends in their life and I'm not saying everybody that comes to church is is always a good friend because i had I went to several churches and I can be honest with you, some of the friends that I made at church they they weren't good either, so you have to be tuned in. you know I don't know that's probably made you mad. I said the parents were off the hot seat, but that wasn't actually true, was it all right so proverbs twenty eight seven whoever keeps the law of God and man is a wise son, but he who is a companion of gluttons and the carousing, self-indulgent, extravagant shames his father. That means if you're not hanging out with the right people, you're going to embarrass your family. All right, listen to instruction. Listen to instruction. Proverbs 19.27, Stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. When you think you know it all, nobody can tell you anything. I know many of you probably don't believe this, but even the discipline you receive when you mess up is a good thing. When you receive discipline, you're like, oh, I can't believe this. That's a good thing. Why is it a good thing? Because your parents are actually doing you a favor. So try your best not to be bitter with them. really quiet in here. Proverbs 15.5 says, A fool spurns his father's discipline, but whoever heeds correction shows prudence. You know, one of the best things you can do is cut your parents some slack when you don't agree with them. If they are giving you biblical principles and they're raising you with biblical principles, the best thing you can do is try to cut them some slack if, you're, if, if they're, they're not doing it to your liking. Wow, it's really, really quiet. Respect your parents. Respect your parents. We live in a a society that is all against this. You do what you want to do. Don't let anybody step on you. Uh, You know, back in the day, and I know that's not very relevant for most of you because you're like, Pastor, you're 43. Back in the day is not really my day. But back in my day... Like, if we would have said, we're going to call Child Protective Services, my parents would have been like, go ahead. Go right ahead. I hope you like being a foster kid, because this is what it's going to be like. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> That's exactly what they, they did. was You didn't play around with that. Now kids are like, I'm going to call Child Protective Services. Parents are like, oh, no, please don't. I'll be nice. I won't, I won't, I won't get on you. I won't ground you. I'll, I'll take your curfew away. I'll give you back your phone. Respect your parents, especially if they're they're godly and they're trying to move you in the right direction. You have to respect them either way, but especially if they're trying to move you in the right direction, you really better respect them. The command to honor parents comes with a promise. That promise, according to Ephesians 6.3, is that life will go well for you and that you may live long. Somebody said to me one time, they said, is that because, you know... Yeah, in the Old Testament, if you weren't living right and you were disrespectful and rebellious, they could stone you. So, yeah, I mean, it could have had something to do with that. But no, beyond that, you think about it. If you have no respect for your parents and you really don't have respect, guess what? You might not make it because somebody that has authority will knock you down. Sure beats the alternative that is graphically presented in Proverbs 30, 17. The eye that mocks the father that scorns obedience to a mother will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley and will be eaten by the vultures. Boom. Use that one on your kids next time. (laughs) Clovis Chappelle, a minister from a century back, used to tell the story about two paddle boats. They left Memphis about the same time traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. New Orleans And as they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made a few remarks about the snail's pace of the other, and words were exchanged and challenges were made, and the race began. Competition became vicious as the two boats roared, they roared through the, uh, the deep south, uh, going down the Mississippi River. One boat began falling behind, didn't have enough fuel, and there had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough for a race. And as the boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the ovens. When the sailors saw that the supplies burned as fast as the coal and as well as the coal, they fueled their boat with the material that they had been assigned to transport. And they ended up winning the race, but they burned their cargo. God has entrusted cargo to us. Children, spouses, friends, our job is to do our part in seeing that this cargo reaches its destination. Yet when the program takes priority over people, people often suffer. How much cargo do we sacrifice in order to achieve the number one slot? How many people never reach the destination because of the aggressiveness of a competitive captain? That was an illustration by Max Licato in The Eye of the Storm. I would challenge you uh, today, as we close this series out, get wisdom. Apply wisdom to your life. Let understanding lead and guide your life. Because there's no better way uh, for us to live as spouses, husbands, fathers, mothers, grandparents, uncles, aunts, and children, than to have wisdom and understanding. And it's not our wisdom, but it's biblical wisdom and understanding. I want to end this in a, in a kind of a different way. I'd like for everyone, just let's just come up around the front tonight and we're going to pray, and I'm going to pray for you. Uh, we have, I know we have a special need we're going to pray for tonight. Uh, one of our little guys broke his foot this week, and he wants prayer tonight. We're going to be praying over him. But I want us to pray as families tonight. I know that this church is a strong church. This is a good church. We've got good families in this church. But you know what? We can always be stronger. Amen? We can always be a little bit more like Jesus. So as we close out tonight, amen, let's pray together. Families, get with your families if you can. Children, you ought to go tell your parents, thank you for whooping me. Thank you for whooping me. Thank you for punishing me. Thank you for disciplining me. Amen. And Let's pray. Let's just pray together. And let's ask God to help us to get wisdom and understanding and apply His principles to our lives. Lord Jesus, we thank You, God, for the wisdom that we have in Your Word and the principles that we have. And I pray, God, that You would move in a special way in all of our families that we would not only get wisdom, but that we would apply wisdom and understanding of Your principles to our lives. God, for those who have made mistakes and those who have messed up some ways in their parenting or uh, things that they've done maybe in in their relationship with their children or with their spouse, God, that You would grant grace and favor to them tonight. Lord, to move back into that place of relationship with You and relationship with each other. And Lord, that You would allow Your tender mercy, God, to flow over every family and every home to every wayward child, God, to every wayward spouse right now. And God, to every broken relationship Lord, I speak healing and peace. And Lord, we restore joy right now in the name of Jesus. And God, even though uh, sometimes it may not be something that happens overnight, we believe, God, that as we move closer to you, Lord, that you are going to heal these things, that you are going to put these things back in their proper place. And tonight we are asking you, God, to do what only you can do. And God, bring joy and peace and healing, God, into every relationship and help us to apply your wisdom and your understanding in our lives and God we will give you the glory we will give you the praise in Jesus name in Jesus name amen don't forget tomorrow night special service with Rima if you want to you want to hear great preaching uh, you want to be in a a good place bring your family be here tomorrow night 7 30 is when it starts if sister Alan talked to you about 15 what time you want him here 6.30, so be here, 6.30, so that we can make sure that we park people in the right place, we seat people, we're going to have a great time tomorrow, don't miss it, 6.30, if you're signed up with Fit Team, 7.30 for service, God bless you, you can leave tithes and offerings in the back as you go tonight, and uh, and, and God's going to bless each and every one of you, come back tomorrow, we'll see you tomorrow, is there anything I need to mention, Lisa, all right, God bless you, you're dismissed in Jesus' name.